0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome back to Spin the Rally Pod, and I'm confessing straight away I've made a major error. I decided to move things around in my garden cabin, I've had to dig in a heap for the microphone and the headphones and if you hear a crash, I've just been crushed by a pile of kit that is ready to be stashed. I'm Lisa O'Sullivan, your host on this edition of Spin the Rally pod, But uh, bit cheesed off by the weather, I've got pictures of Rally Sweden still on my screen to try and brighten things up, uh, lovely crisp blue skies it was then. Tied to base also was former motorsport team director George Donaldson. Heidi ho, GD.
2: Good morning. Good morning.
1: We've got the award-winning deputy editor of Dirtfish.com, Luke Barry. Good morning, Luke. How are we feeling?
0: Uh, not too badly, so Thank you very much. And dearly hoping you don't end up crushed by any of this kit that's <laughs> waiting to be put away. That would not be good.
1: You know, when you start seeing piles that just start creeping a bit like a landslide yeah, it's. Um, or if you do get if crossed. you do
3: get crush could just get this recording out first.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, make that the last thing you do. <laughs> uh, that's the uh, senior staff writer for Dirtfish.com, David Evans. You were a happy chap in Sweden, and weren't caring you? Head a of HR, HR. Sorry. Oh, you've, you've, you've stepped up again, have you? <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, No, I was very happy in, being well, in Sweden. What you were?
1: I, I was listening that uh, you described it as a two jumper or two sweater event. Mm.
3: Yeah, at times wow. it was unbelievably cold. Uh, but George, I've I've never seen you would have been completely across this, George. That we were driving and it was around sort of minus ten, minus eleven. It was quite chilly, and then suddenly down a hill a little bit into a bit of a valley, and it just dived to minus nineteen. Suddenly the the mm. trees were completely white uh, with with frost and ice and stuff. And it, it yeah, it was it stayed in that valley at minus nineteen until we climbed out. Um, and obviously it was just that cold, the cold air had sunk uh, into the yeah. valley. It, it was unbelievably cold. Um, Temperature inversion, lovely. Yeah, lovely. that's exactly what I was going to say. Temperature yeah. inversion, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah and that was definitely, potentially even a three jumper area that was.
0: Ooh. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I remember, I'll tell you a story about that, a very very brief one, sorry, not to divert away from our proper rally stuff, but it involves other rally people. So I I, I did build my own little airplane once, uh, (laughs) which was great fun to have. Of course you did, George. It was uh, was a real airplane. It was an American kit airplane. It was lovely. It was really good. Yeah, but you built Um, an airplane. Did you fly in it, George? Yes, I did 400 hours in it. Uh, still wow. flying it. I still fly. I sold it to a farmer who still has it, not very far away from me, and I still go flying with him. Twenty years I've known it. of
1: you, George, and every day is a revelation. Did you not know that?
2: Did I, no. That, that, see, like I don't. I, oh, that's nice. That's David, nice. Well,
3: did anyway, you know
1: that?
2: I, uh, yes, it's ringing oh,
3: okay. a bell. Uh, but I, I remember what... always being t- but, totally anyway, surprised, and then thinking, "Why am I
2: surprised?"
1: <laughs> exactly. R-
2: Robert Sorry, Reader, <laughs> Robert Reader, now, uh, our now FIA Vice President, uh, who also lives in this area where I do, uh, I, I did at that time. It was back in about 19... Uh, it must have been 1995, 96. I think it was the n- winter of 95, actually, is what it was. And uh, we, he, he wanted to go flying around Perthshire and see his, farms, his, his parents' farms and everything from the sky. It was a beautiful day, but it had snowed. So I went to the airfield and uh, it turned out that the main grass runway was usable the, the the asphalt wasn't the snow was deeper than that but the the grass runway which runs over the top of the airfield the snow had not built up it was only a few inches deep and it was very powdery but it had gone very frosty and um, it was about minus uh, 10 11 degrees so uh, we thought well we'll go flying it'll be it'll be fine just need to be careful that the airplane doesn't frost up inside because there's no heater in it or anything like that mm-hmm. so off off we off we went and we took off you know genuinely minus 12 degrees took off everything absolutely fine up we went by the time we got to a thousand feet it was 10 degrees and by the time we got to 2000 feet it was 15 or 20 degrees exactly the reverse of what normally happens in 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 aviation terms it gets colder the higher you go this went up about 20 degrees More, more 25 degrees it was phenomenal it was actually we'd put all these winter jumpers and jackets on and 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 it's not a big airplane it's difficult to get them off a pair of us were roasting inside that <laughs> airplane and we flew and it was absolutely gorgeous and we flew around and and, and not thinking too much Well, always thinking about it uh, we weren't up for long maybe an hour or something flew back and I thought robert you know what happens when you take something warm into somewhere cold oh uh well in fact it's not, not i think that's not too much of a problem it's when you go from somewhere cold into somewhere warm that, that the the air can condense and and um uh, uh, and, and then it gets covered in condensation. So I was very worried in case... And anyway, I, I couldn't quite remember as much as now what exactly the way it happened. As we descended, I said to Robert, I said, look, so here's the contingency, Robert. If if it starts to mist up inside, I'm just going to open my door. Uh, my, my, the, the doors on the airplane were all glass and they went right down to the side of your leg and you just swung it up and you reached out. You had to reach right out into the wind stream. So you always had to cut the throttle if you did this and be below a certain speed, to sixty-five miles an hour, as I recall. <laughs>
1: always had to. Um, do this.
2: And then you, and then you, you would, you would, you could latch it up, and it just stayed up there in the airstream. It, it tucked itself away, and it was fine. And you could fly around with the doors open. I, I, I did on occasion fly with the doors open. Of course, it was very nice. Uh, but, but the, um, so, <coughs> I said to Robert, so if it messes up, I'm going to do that, and I'll just look out the side. You know, it won't be a problem. So every. <laughs> we were all fine, but we never had to. It was absolutely fine. We we landed and it was no problem. But again, you know, it was it, was, it had been so fifteen fifteen or so degrees up up top, and then back down to this minus twelve. It was remarkable.
1: Oh well, yeah, so you, you'd, you'd, you'd be a bit worried about icing and, up on the way down, wouldn't you? Really? Yeah, that, that was that's yeah. what
2: that's what my concern was. Was much for the fuel and the fuel system. But anyway, uh, rally cars used to have to worry about things like that. Old rally cars, old old escorts with uh, mm. twin forty Weber's used to be able to to open them up on a frosty night if they were doing road rallies like the old Welsh road rallies that you used to get in UK where they were doing vast amount of miles and lots of petrol, lots of petrol stops, yes. uh, very high speed on the road. And you could you could you'd hear an engine misfiring and coming to you and they would stop and the guy would open the bonnet and it was just the where the carburetors should be were just covered in frost. And as you looked at it, it, it would it would disappear. It would disappear before your eyes. Five seconds after you stopped, the carburetors were just wet and steaming, because of the heat was coming back through them. But the passage of cold air through them and the venturi effect got the temperature down enough to allow them to frost up. That's mad, and isn't it?
3: That, mm, when you consider the, the heat around them yeah that that, that is bonkers
1: I love and the pe- fact that yeah. not only have we got the stories we've got the official term for it we're going to come back more to to cold weather yeah. talks we're gonna we're going to go through Sweden okay. with you in a minute George but okay. can we uh, can okay. we start Apologies with the big news I'm steering us straight back to WRC because we're going to start with the big news of the week Latvia joining WRC now lads what do we know Lukey Luke David David <coughs> who's got the best info on this?
0: I'm I'm going to casually pass to David for this one as as the more senior journalist of the team. Nice. Well, um, so I'm, g- I'm going to do that copper answer. Nice. I like I'm ready. <laughs> it, I mean, Latvia it, it, is definitely
3: somebody that somebody somewhere. Sorry, it's quite early still. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. It's 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 a, an event that's been absolutely on the cusp. Uh, and when we got this news that it was definitely happening, I I kind of ran back through some notes and th- through through stories that we'd written through covid because it was one of the events that did come quite close i'm sure um to to landing a spot you remember in those kind of crazy times through 2020 2021 where every other week there was a new event that was being talked about and every other week there was another event that was coming in uh and latvia was really close then it's obviously it's it's found the right level of funding now um and it's found itself a, a a place it the, the kind of accepted wisdom is that it will take Estonia's place. Um, we will try. I, I reached out to Ermo Arva, who obviously is rally director in Estonia last week. Uh, and I'll give Ermo a call again uh, and just try and understand what's happening from their perspective. From what I can see, we're obviously in Estonia this week. Um, and then it will take... Certainly next year, and potentially a couple of years off, because I don't think the deal is done with the the promoter, uh, and Latvia will step in. Um, what, do these we get, events, what do we
1: get from Latvia that we won't get, that we don't have at the moment in the WRC?
3: Probably uh, more Latvian fans.
1: <laughs> well, they're passionate fans.
3: They they are absolutely, and it's you know ge- geographically it's not a million miles. Okay, Leopaya is quite a long way, I think, out to the west. Um, so, but obviously Latvia sits just beneath Estonia. So what you, you need to understand in these areas is in this area of, of Europe is that people travel miles, um, to, to come to these events. We saw it when, when we used to go to Trier in Germany, you would have people coming from the Czech Republic from just about every part of Europe. And it's brilliant. Uh, you know, we'll see this with the Central European rally this year. People will travel thousands of miles by car across borders just to come and watch, you know, just to be in a field. I can't remember um, where we were, but somewhere in, I can't remember which stage, but somewhere in Estonia, we went and, and and just walked around the field full of spectator cars. And you could probably see registration plates from 10 different countries. Um, and it's, it's not often that you you can do that and it's for me it's one of the a real big part of the magic of of rallying in this part of the world is that you get to meet people from everywhere uh so latvia will it'll be very similar to to that there will be a, a huge influx of of spectators from around the place will it be any different to estonia it will because what we've seen from estonia in the recent years is they've they've spent a huge amount of money building jumps uh, and refining the roads that they've got, that the profile of the roads, um, to make them initially to make them more like Finland, uh, which which seems a bit crazy, but actually, Estonia's sort of raison d'être was that it became this rally Finland warm-up event. It was what was known as a WRC candidate uh, event. No, sorry, a WRC promotion promoter event um, back in the day. And and it modelled itself on on Finland, so they built these jumps up, and they used they tried to to use some smaller roads to model that sort of rhythm change that you get in Finland. That's something that Latvia doesn't really have. Uh, talking to people people like Craig Breen, Craig Breen's been there a lot, he and he knows a lot about rallying over there. Oliver Solberg has has been over there, you know. The young guns potentially had a big advantage here. Calais and and Oliver have spent. You know, they spent their formative years at age 14, 15, 16 competing in Latvia. Um, and they do have some very, very, very fast roads, but they don't tend to have the smaller ones, which I wrote a piece on the website saying that, you know, average speed could well be an issue here because they don't have that ability to slow the rally down by, you know, ducking onto a smaller road. And the last thing we want to see now is is chicanes. Um, We've we've sort of no. got away from those in, in Finland. God, no David. But yeah, that's broadly that's that's where we are. So I, I have to say I'll be really sad not to go to Estonia. It's become one of my absolute favourite. Uh I love Tartu, love the people. Um okay. love the fans. Uh so for me it'll be a real shame. But it's you know, it's an adventure, isn't it, to go somewhere new. Okay. Can I make a contentious comment? It would be disappointing if you didn't, oh. George.
2: Well, <laughs> look, I mean, much as I, I love the event, a new event, and, I, and I'm a massive fan of getting new events and new flavours, um, this, this just seems like a geographical move to appease a particular group. Or is it just a cynical move on behalf of the promoter to try and get more money from a different event? Are they not getting enough money from Estonia? Estonia have quite clearly made a massive investment in WRC, changing the character of the roads, giving us a marvellous rally. And, OK, maybe it needs a little bit more character. I have no idea. I've never been. It, it, it appears like a fantastic event to me. Absolutely brilliant. Filled with enthusiasm and character, it's brilliant. We'll go to Latvia. It'll probably be exactly the same, but that means now another... first. The first promoter loses all his investment. The second promoter has to invest loads of money, yeah? And... And he might not quite hit the mark, and the WRC might only go one or two years, and then it'll move on to the next place. What will they do? Go back to Poland? Move to move to Lithuania next? I mean, what's going on here? Is it is it a cynical move just to make money here?
3: Because I, I think, Georgian fairness, you know, it, it, it's a business mm. uh, for WRC promoter, and they they absolutely have to have to hit the mark financially. Um, yeah. And it, we see this. <laughs> We've seen this. This absolutely in in the UK. Mm-hmm. Wales stopped funding the rally, so the rally stopped. Yeah. Um, and if the if the oh, government and... in in Estonia, and I don't know for sure. As I say, I haven't spoken to them yet. But obviously, they don't have the deal in place for next year. And if right. you if you essentially can't afford it, then you you can't have the right. rally. Well, fair enough. Um, fair enough.
2: Hey, looking at and, and I get that. Just uh, I would I would wonder about the the values and everything and the cost of it all you know in terms of what's produced there you go there as i've said it now 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 i'm i am the antichrist now to a whole load of people you know i've just i've just watched swedish rally and i've watched a whole load of in-car footage that i could have filmed in my old car going from my own little village to the next little village to the supermarket because it looked so slow and it was at full speed so you thought the onboards were too slow in sweden right well some some of them some of them are brilliant some of them the perspective is perfect and I'm talking about the angle of the lens. I got you. Right. it's like someone it's like someone doesn't understand what they're doing and I've mentioned it to to a number of people a number of times and I just get this shrug of the shoulders it's like nobody understands what I'm talking about well you know I thought the promoter was there to to, to create a television product that sold the rally well for me they're not doing it I was left disappointed.
1: I I think, do you know what it is, George, that um, you're right. You you, you are right about the fact that the angle's not working for us, but we have become a little bit spoiled as viewers, haven't we? Because it's not so very long ago that I was getting excited about Puddlecam, that, you know, you you had this technology that you can effectively chuck into a car or strap it on the side of a rally car, chuck it on the road, and it'll get amazing shots of rally cars at speed. But we're such rapid consumers of stuff. We're waiting for the next... The next innovation, almost, instead of enjoying some of the the stuff, because as you say, some of the stuff we are watching still is utterly brilliant, but we we're almost taking it for granted. Yeah, and, yeah
2: the bar's yeah, maybe that. So, raised, so, it, so, so when they now. show us something average, that that uh, you know, when a car's doing one hundred and ninety miles an hour down a narrow track on tram rails with the car trying to get out of them, and it looks like I'm driving down to the shops, it's a little bit hard to actually accept. Because I, I've been in, I've been in the but car. That, I mean, I, that's yeah. the whole
1: thing about speed, anyway. You only really recognise speed when somebody's yeah. braking, don't you? Because if you are travelling in a vehicle that's going very fast, it doesn't feel like it's going fast until someone sticks the anchors on.
3: I've got to say, George, I think I, I wonder if it's your telly, because <laughs>
1: because I,
3: I it literally every time, and it seemed to be Craig Breen every time I was watching Craig Breen in that Bratby stage, which was slow, twisting, miserable, horrible on the Friday. I found it breathtaking that the car you could see so much movement in the car mm. um as yeah. as he was trying to get the thing slowed down it was pointing in all directions no that uh, s- some
2: of the footage is is fantastic david uh, but what i don't understand is is why why not all of it is and and why why the why somebody is prepared to accept that lower quality it lowers the bar everywhere for me it's very annoying disappointing yeah. disappointing Cause yeah, i've sat really- in those rally cars down those roads at you know more higher speeds than they go now. They don't go so fast now. They're they're they're, they're mm. smarter geared now. But you know, 200 kph down those roads is you know you don't, don't care how brave you are. You end up looking at your feet. You know you 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 look lower and lower and lower. You get lower and lower. Presumably you weren't
3: driving at the no, time. No no I wasn't.
2: I've, well, I've I have driven it. I have <laughs> I have driven at reasonable speeds there. I was, certainly I've been You're up at about, 200 kph with my, my my Sierra Cosworth for sure. Over yeah. that, George, surely, mm. in, that, in yeah. the Group N car. Group N car was quite quick. I think the fastest I ever went in Sweden was, was we, we did get up to about, about uh, um, 100 and, 145 miles an hour, but that was in a road <laughs> section because I was late. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, it was very far up north. <clears throat> there was literally no one around, and the road was about as wide as an airport runway. It was a phenomenal bit of right. road, and we just pushed on, and we avoided penalties. Yay! <laughs> but... <laughs> but no,
3: it, so so just to whiz us back to, to, to Latvia, it, it it is, it's mm. it will be a great event. It, of course I, I don't really know too much about the absolute kind of the, the big history of the event. It was mm. started as a I'm sure it started as a winter rally uh and obviously in an European championship and then it moved to um to become an autumn event, and then I think yep.
0: is it June, mid middle of the summer, Luke this year? Yes, I'll say that quietly and then check EWRC for you <laughs> to give you an exact <laughs> answer but I, I totally forgotten actually it- right I totally forgotten this rally was a winter event you just suddenly sparked back some memories in my head of watching some old ERC stuff and everything else um yeah, so there you go. I'm adding a bit more yeah, to the a... podcast there. Sorry, listeners. Maybe it's a good it, thing. I've it was a bit anything, of a. But there we are. An ERC
3: Swedish rally, wasn't it? It was a proper <laughs> winter rally for a while. It
0: was. Um, that was. I think that was the era we had. Jana rally was the start of the season, and mm. I remember as a 13 14 year fourteen-year-old who loved rallying, and none of my friends understood it. It was great because at that time of year, it wasn't at school, so no one could sort of take the Mickey at me for watching rallies. But they were all there. <laughs> ready to watch. Not that they would. Well, no, they just didn't understand it. They still don't, actually, to be fair to them. I'm not really good at explaining it. I need to get them to an event. That's a completely separate tangent. <laughs> it's very parochial for me.
4: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: Welcome to Spin the Rally Pod. Where we,
3: <laughs> well, we don't know much about anything,
1: <laughs> but we can find out. We can always find out. We can. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on a bit actually because I I am kind of aware of us. Um, doing our usual tangent, tangential approach to rallying. And George, I want to go back to Rally Sweden because you were locked in watching every angle that was available to you. Um, and mm. we, we, we kind of got quite a bit to unpick. Yeah. Um, drivers' expectations. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: As, as a former team boss, this is where we're coming at you. At. I mean, we've we've got all kinds of um, stuff to talk about. You know, team orders. We've got um, personnel being moved around and held back. Um, where do you want to start? I think is Crikey. perhaps well. I mean, the best basically, way to go.
2: You know, Mon- Mon- Monte Carlo normally gives us a you know a couple of drivers <coughs> with a with a with a few. A few problems, a lot, you know, and a good loss of points. We've now done Sweden two rallies in, and and okay, uh, Lappi lost a little bit. We've got some drivers, you know, doing partial championships. They're still in the fight, even for the whole championship. Obviously, you know, Sebastian Ogier is not not out of it, and and uh, and neither's Craig Breen, having finished having finished second there. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a super interesting uh, super interesting event, and Lappi, of course, uh, going. Terrible Monte Carlo rally, relatively speaking. Not, not what he wanted anyway. A pretty good Sweden. <coughs> beg your pardon. Got caught out by the, uh, caught out by the, the the tire failure, I guess, or tire, whatever it was. Um, and then, uh, but then, then scored those fantastic uh, power stage points. Just to, and that and those five, well, those five points mean a lot to him, a lot more to him than anyone else really in percentage terms. It's huge. So we've got an interesting situation where the championship still hasn't any hit any watershed point where someone's fallen away and have now got to win. So everyone's still kind of playing this. I feel this sort of standoff game. It's quite interesting. Not that anybody's actually standing off. It's all pretty. Uh, frantic out there at the front. The um, driver expectation-wise, I thought, you know, crikey, they you know all the drivers delivered phenomenal performances again. You know, some of them below par, but then within that, when the when they've realised they couldn't hit the pace, <coughs> I beg your pardon, <coughs> recovering from the uh, the flu here, guys. Um,
1: yeah, don't don't worry, I'll let it edit your Oh, thank you out. very much. You're don't very
2: you. kind. Um, yeah, uh, when you when you look at the, the, those those drivers, they've all they've all delivered very very well um, on 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 a sort of backup plan, if you like, to make sure that their championship doesn't fall away, and that they can resolve whatever issues they've been having, whether it was with car setup or themselves or or just the cars. You know, in the case of Toyota, was it really suitable for Sweden? Um, you, you could say that the the, the cars compromise across the year maybe I'll I'll bet you my bottom dollar that Tom Fowler knew that Sweden wasn't going to be their strongest event you know and we've had this before where where uh, they've said well here's our car for the year there's our basic setup there's all our core parts that we're allowed to use for the year that's going to suit us on you know 90% of the events and those other 10% are going to be a bit of a compromise but we'll do our best and it might be that Sweden was one of those it's a, certainly, it's a, it's a faster rally where car setup normally affects you less, strangely enough. Um, and and I think I think Tanak's performance would, would agree with that. He'll tell you that his car wasn't exactly right and wasn't exactly suitable, yet he went on to, well, really absolutely stamp a, a level of dominance, but not from a, a massively strong distance in front, but what a brilliant rally. So, yes, yeah, so I think a lot of drivers did very, very well. So that was good. What really shocked me about the whole thing was the fact that Hyundai were prepared to give up a win to give a driver in third place a potential second place. Um, And it was only a potential second place because the way that you you could jimmy those rules where you were still dependent on other things happening, so you couldn't throw everything behind it because you might have ended up giving away second place. So they were second and third with a potential to give away either those seconds or thirds if they got it wrong. So they were smart because they did the change and they the contingency plan that they made secured them second and third, just not in the order they wanted. But at the same time they gave up any chance for a win. Now they were only they were only eight and a half seconds behind Ott Tanak. And I don't think for a minute that Ott was particularly in a mood to be pressurized. But from from eight seconds to eighteen seconds is a huge amount of different pressure for a driver of aught standard, a man who's like a scalpel in a rally car. And that would just allow him to give him a fraction more epidermis, a tiny little bit more skin in the in the in the game to just take a little right, bit more George, safety.
3: Stop. Okay. Stop right now. I'm stopping. So we're now gonna teleport you back into you are now replacing Cyril Abitable on Saturday mm-hmm. night in hyundai hq of their of their team command center what's for dinner what each (laughs) 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 we need some we need the wibbly
1: wobbly music
3: inevitably it'll be good whatever it is all right but so you know what each driver's objective is so you're now sat with your three drivers in there what are you going to tell each driver to do and how do they do it well
1: so, uh, uh, just just to reiterate, what positions were the drivers in at this point?
3: Uh, at that, let me just go back to our joint favourite website. I'll give you a quick rundown. The gap was point.
2: slightly bigger.
0: At that point. At that it was point. it was second and third, Green. if I remember correctly, because I'm pretty sure Lappy had That's gone right. backwards. It was. What, what were Ushu. the gaps? Yeah. yeah, the gaps is a yeah. good question. And Craig Breen- Breen was second, Titanic, and yeah, yeah. Neville was third, but only just.
3: Right. After stage 15, which is UMIO mm-hmm. uh, 1, Oyktanik led by 8.8 8 seconds from Craig Breen. Thierry Neville was 15.1 behind Breen, so 23.7 off the lead. And mm-hmm. Calais Robin was just 3.8 seconds off the back of Thierry. Um, and obviously, Lappy was, he was down now in 11th place and pretty much out of the picture. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's that's the the headlines are 8.6 to Tanak from Breen, uh, and then Thierry was 15.1 back, but he had Cali just 3.8 behind
2: him Saturday night. Go ahead, okay, Cyril. Right, Cyril okay. Donaldson. Well, I won't be Cyril Donaldson. I'll just be I'll just be me, um, <laughs> as usual, obtuse and avoiding <laughs> avoiding every question I can. No, but ultimately, so so I've got I've got two masters here. I've got Thierry Neuville, who I'm meant to make world champion, and presumably that's been agreed with my Korean masters. But at the same time, I know that the the the, the Koreans, uh, Hyundai, uh, leverage rally wins and rally performance very strongly. It's a big part of their brand identity. So you'd like to think that uh, you know a win on Sunday is sales on Monday. That works for Toyota. You know, every time a Toyota wins a rally in the WRC. Their sales spike the following week, literally the following day in Japan, massively. There's a massive spike in sales, and it's a ludicrous amount. It's And that's in a relatively small market, I suppose. Um, I don't know quite how it works for Hyundai. Maybe it's the same, maybe it's not. <clears throat> I'm not absolutely sure, but... Uh, I can't give up a rally win. I mean 8.5 seconds or whatever it was, 8 seconds, it's not enough to be able to to say to to Thierry Thierry I'm going to just swap this now and and give you the chance. I can't give up the the I can't give up the potential for a win to give you a a a reasonably sure second because you could make a mistake, you could fall back to third we could end up having uh, we could end up having a, um uh, in second place here, and we could end up being third third or fourth, even worse potentially, from this decision. So I'm sorry, Thierry, I, I cannot uh, make the team move in this place. Let's say I even did do it, Thierry. Let, let's put it into context that I did do it, and I, I wait to the last stage. The situation is exactly as it is now, which in fact was almost exactly how it ended up at the... The, you know, how, how it was on Saturday night was almost exactly how it was at the start of that power stage in terms of gaps. Almost exactly the same, except that Latval, uh, that uh, Rovenpera was even closer, as I recall. So um, uh, ultimately, I'm going to say to him, I said, Thierry, it's just too close. If there's anything we can do to, to help it, yes. But at the moment, we're going to keep the pressure on Octanac and, uh, uh, you know, we might end up here with a 1-2. Sorry mate that's the best that's the best i can do. See and you know i mean you, but, so, but i'm talking here you know if the situation if if, if uh, Roven was was another 15 20 seconds back i would say yeah let's let's definitely do it because there's there's, there's, right, there's so, less risk. well actually, it would have to be more than that because i'm still i just it's it's not to do with Roven Perra being out of it to me it's it's the fact is that you know we know how strong Ott Tanak is, and it, it, the the chances of him being pressured into mistake are very very small. But it does happen. You know the the just just if, to be clear here, George, mm-hmm.
3: you've been pretty clear with your instruction to Thierry. Yeah, but I'm I'm now Craig Breen mm-hmm. sitting in the corner, yeah, and and I look to you and say, what are you telling me, George? Do um, I go absolutely hell for leather and and potentially cost us championship points as a manufacturer if I don't win
2: the rally? Uh, no, no, Craig, you are a professional driver. I'm paying you a <laughs> load of money. Yeah. And you will continue to do exactly what you have done, exactly what you're capable of doing. You've you've been a masterclass this weekend. Do not change a damn thing. Just right. go out and do exactly the same. You've got our 100% backing. We're in the car. So with put you. it on a door you're handles and bring it to the, the finish. D- just do exactly. You know, if if you feel it, go for it. If you don't, bring it home. Just do exactly right. what you've done, you know? And and here's another point, another earth-shaking comment from me. Uh, Craig Breen didn't do anything different in Sweden than he did on half a dozen rallies last year. The only difference was he made a tiny, one of those tiny little mistakes, the type of which <coughs> he made plenty in Sweden, or maybe not so many, but... but uh, and got away with it... Um, Craig Breen never crashed off the pace last year. The guy was always right there. You know, this is not some massive rediscovering of Craig Breen. Craig was always this fast. And I've continually said that and supported him and said, look, this this honestly is just a massive extended bad run. And now it's seen as some sort of massive reawakening. Absolute tosh. The guy the guy had the speed. Uh, yes, confidence was shot um, for all the wrong reasons. But you know, part of being a professional driver is that r- level of robustness, the level of robustness that we see from Ott Tanak, from Kala Pera, from and from Thierry Neuville, you know. And Thierry would, would I tell you what, that, that decision I've just made for Thierry, I think he would 100% respect it. For mm. goodness sakes, he benefited from that same decision uh, last year in uh, in Greece exactly the same decision yeah, yeah, where he was given the win because you couldn't take the chance that you weren't going to get it so simple as a win's worth too much
3: yeah I've got to say I was given the margins in mm. that thing and you know Luke you and I talked about this a lot it, it was it was a risky one wasn't it that did
2: backfire well, it didn't backfire. Sorry, sorry Luke, I'm going to interrupt. It, it didn't backfire because they ended up back at square one. So it didn't backfire. It just didn't work. But, potentially, but they did it, They uh, did throw away any chance for a win. Yeah. It had the potential to yeah. go very wrong. Yeah.
0: What do you think, Luke? I was going to say, <laughs> I didn't know whether to add too much because I know we're getting in. But I think, to be fair, from my end, it was it was quite a brave call after from Cyril. And I do have a lot of respect for him for that because he's only been in the job two well, it's the second <clears throat> ever rally he's worked in his life, which in it itself is quite remarkable. But he, he's had yeah, he's had the brass neck to do this. He's he's seen what he thinks was right, and to be fair, I I honestly think it was the right thing to do. If it, they'd said on Sunday morning before any stages had run, Craig, you're going to have to back off a bit, let Thierry close to within ten seconds, and then do it. I would say, well, that's a bit naive. But I think the key was was Thierry losing three seconds to tap Thierry, so Craig losing three seconds to to Oi on Sunday morning because that I think looking at the mm. results now extended the lead to 11.6 at that point Tanak's in rally conservation though he, he can afford to control mm. that from there Thierry then obviously put that blistering time in on the second pass which closed to within 10 so it was almost as if it had been privately crafted I'm not suggesting it was I think that was just essentially coincidental that they got this dream ticket I'm just disappointed in myself that I didn't see it coming because a lot of people did, and a lot of people were saying, "Are they going to? Are they going to switch them?" And I, I didn't see it coming. But when it happened, it but was I... that sort of air of inevitability about it. That, but it does make sense. I think what would interest me. Sorry, David. I don't know if I'm coming to something you're about to say. But what, what would interest me is what would they have done if it was Asapeka <laughs> behind Thierry? Oh, sorry, Pekka ahead mm. of Thierry. Would they have switched them then? Because Cyril wasn't. He, did, he didn't sort of shy away from admitting that. They already essentially see Thierry as the team's drivers' championship threat. And going on pass form, that's completely fair enough. But but two rounds into a season to be that convinced already is it's quite bold, shall we say?
3: Yeah. No, I, I didn't I, I, I was exactly with you on that one. I for me. That was firstly I was really surprised that I did it given that the margins were so close. That's that was my uh, situation was... as
2: well, David. Yeah.
3: Uh, uh, and and the the lappy question is the really obvious one. Um, and, I, you know, to be backing a driver so obviously, it, you know, it's not like we were in the position of Sebastian Loeb and Danny Sordo 10 years ago at Citroen or probably more. Um, and actually, yeah, a lot more, maybe 15 years ago at Citroen, where Sordo knew categorically he was the de facto number two driver uh, at the start of every year and Citroen would do everything they possibly could. To, to make sure that Sebastian Loeb won another championship. Mm. It's not that same scenario no. uh, for me. You know, Thierry Neville is a great, great rally driver, but he's not already an existing three-, four-, five-time world champion. Mm. Um, he, he's he's won more WRC rounds than Esapekka Lappi, but who's to say that Lappi doesn't 100% click with that car? Yeah, um, it, exactly, David, it, doesn't it? Yeah, and mm. and halfway through the year, you know, he's had four or five podiums, a win, mm. and he's actually ahead of Thierry in the championship. Yeah,
2: you just don't know, do you? Yeah, it's way too early to make these decisions and calls. It's ridiculous. So, what's the motivation for doing that? Was there, was it just media pressure, having to, you know, put something to bed? But uh, as you can see, as you can see, folks from this from this forum, there's the split agreement on everything already. It's split the room, hasn't it? Hmm. No, Even within I, I ourselves, we're split on it. <laughs> there is, there's no doubt that Thierry
3: has strong, strong support within that team, uh, and he, he's consistently sort of denied. Oh, you know, it's 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 my team. It, we know that it kind of is. You know, he's been there from the start, from 2013, or you know, they're they're celebrating their tenth year of competition with that I20 in the championship this year. He's been there for, for forever. Um, and he's the guy that you'd, you'd have to say, apart from that time with Hayden Paddon, he's the guy that's brought them the success. Um, but I, I just feel it is. When you've got a driver like Lappy, who has great potential, um, it's, it's, it, I can see both sides. I was going to say it's a strange one. I can see both sides. You could, you could equally argue that Lappy's not absolutely... At the top of his game, he's coming off the back of a part program with Toyota. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, it was a, a season of, of nothing. You know, two amazing WRC2 events, results in Portugal and Finland. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, a, a midline year with M-Sport. Um, so, you know, maybe... Maybe high and I are the more sensible ones, and I'm sure they are more sensible than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just being a bit more pragmatic and looking at it from a more sort of performance-driven perspective. I I don't know. I think well, look, I'm, I'm well, sure. Sorry, I'm
2: sure it was discussed. I'm, I beg your pardon, Luke. I'm sure. I'm sure the they, the 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 accountants back in Korea were, were part of the decision, and I'm I'm sure it's been made according. I'm sure it was made with their agreement.
0: I think what we all need to hope and manifest is that going into the Paris stage of Mexico, uh, Espejueloapi has like a five-second lead over Thierry, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> but to be fair, actually, to be fair, I'll, I'll stand back on that because they didn't—they didn't switch a winner, did they? With second, which I guess is a little bit different switching second and third. So I'll, I'll correct myself there. And um, but yes, yeah,
3: but they've set a precedent, haven't they? Have, they have, yeah. You know, and, and where does this stop? You know, if if it is going to be all guns blazing for Thierry, then. I, and, you know, for me, I actually really like it because I always loved when, when we had Andrea Rodamo in the championship because you had literally no idea. Suddenly, you know, this car would be over here and he'd stopped and then this car would be over here and you'd be thinking, what on earth are they doing? <sighs> mm-hmm. And then come to the finish and it would all make sense. Uh, and for me, you know, Andrea um, was was one of the absolute master strategists that understood and thought in such a different way to everybody. I'm sure the same with you, George, that you can see these things. And and I, for me, certainly, I look at things quite one-dimensionally and, and to my own detriment that I can't always see the opportunities.
1: And then it happened, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was actually quite a good idea. Um, David, when you and Colin were cruising through Sweden, 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 let's nice try one. Sweden, a new country, yeah, not through, a new championship, <laughs> a new <country>. <laughs> <laughs> I like the
3: sound of it. It sounds like a snowy we're Finland. Gone.
2: It's going to be on the La- calendar La- in a couple of weeks. Latvia La- or yeah. La- 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 Sweden?
1: <laughs> uh, Sweden. Uh, anyway, when you were cruising through Sweden after the rally last week, uh, the weekend before last, you pitched a poll: Should Hyundai have tried to promote Newville? Oh, yeah? if Lappy had been That's driving bad, eh? instead of Craig Breen. Sixty-three percent said no. Thirty-seven percent said yes. Oh, well, I I, yeah. I agree with
2: everyone. I think that probably mm. everyone probably has a valid point to make. So you know, there's there's diff- different ways you can argue it, isn't there? So it's okay. <coughs> yeah.
3: Where's that, you,
2: thought, Where's that roaring fire? Where's so, that roaring fire that we should all be sitting around having this this <laughs> this vehement chat? <laughs> mm.
0: I've, are we surprised I at our results? In here at
1: the minute. The whole lot will go up. No, yeah. Don't
0: do that pre what you're about to ask me, David, I, I was, and if it's a spectacular one, please shout at me immediately, but I was surprised that there was as many as 37% that said yes to that question, I'll be honest. Um, and yeah. it's, I'm actually now, as we do, but it's always dangerous to do, a bit of live sort of checking. I've found the tweet while we we're talking to see, try and find people's replies, because there's obviously replies as well as votes, but it does... It's interestingly divisive, and as, as George was saying. We are kind of split here on the podcast as well. It's one of these wonderful things that we can debate until the carriers couple and we probably still will. And it, it's just, it's I don't know. As I, I, I don't want to labour the point too much, I just think it's it's certainly an interesting call from from Cyril. But I, I think it it does intrigue me that even with different managers, David uh, mentioned Andrea Dalo last year. There was obviously the the strange situation we had a leader in, in Julien Julian Monte who wasn't really fully a leader, but there always seems to be more sort of decisions and strategies. <laughs> and I don't want to say controversy. It's probably too strong a word, but these, always these sort of questions linking around Hyundai and not other teams because Toyota never do this sort of thing, do they, really? <laughs> M-Sport's setup is much clearer in terms of the drivers, who's number one, who's <clears> number two, just based on experience and potential. So I do, I do think it's interesting that it's always the same team that ends up in this situation. I don't know if there's anything in that. Maybe I'm being too sort of pointed saying I'm not sure but it, I do find it quite
3: intriguing anyway. No, is always very very clear isn't it you know it just doesn't yeah. do it
0: mm. silence oh. <laughs> that, was, that was a conversation stopper
1: because I was just waiting for some to add to it but no I think we've come to a natural an uh, halt there um, shall we have a little discussion about the fact that Andreas Mickelson is likely in Portugal for WRC2
3: Yes, Luke. Yeah, go with Luke.
1: Yeah, Luke, yeah, Luke. You, uh, you're, you're intrigued by the comments. I, um, I have to
0: say, um, it, was, it was a very good. I have to say, I, I'm going to sound like I'm being deliberately nice to David, just because I'm speaking to him. But it was honestly, I thought a very, very good piece. <laughs> Not the David's pieces aren't good anyway, but this one was very. I don't know what David. You'll be able to tell us what it was like when you spoke to him, I guess. But <laughs> David, David plus. Yeah, <laughs> but it was. They were very, very. That's, just,
3: that's a terrifying. <laughs> very,
0: punch. very punchy. Very to the point. <laughs> quotes from Andreas and I, I guess he does have a very clear point to put across doesn't he because without wishing to discredit any of the the contenders the eventual champions in last year's WRC two, I think it is widely acknowledged he was probably the best driver in that class last year but he doesn't have the, the silverware to show for it and it is it's becoming quite a frustrating yeah. situation for him there because we we know how close he got to High and die, and um, there was a comment in there, and I don't have it in front of me immediately to to reference it, so I won't do that in case I misinterpret him. But he he, he was very, sh- shall we say, he's very determined again. It feels very like twenty twenty one spec Andreas, where he made those now famous comments that he wanted yeah. to dominate everybody, but that is what he has to do now, particularly if he's not going for a championship. And in that class now, we've discussed it before in the podcast and in various places. The structure of WRC two now, in a way. The championship almost doesn't matter. It's about going to the rallies where everybody's at and proving you are the best. and that's what he has to do. Yeah,
3: yeah. and 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 that's you know he has every intention of doing that. I think he does still still feel quite bitter uh, about what happened with Hyundai, and it was wrong. You know, there's, we've been over mm-hmm. this numerous times before on the on the pod. It was wrong. They. They, they absolutely led him along. They told him there was a contract. This is what, you know, we understand that there was a contract there. Uh, and when it came to signing the contract, the phone went silent. The emails were unanswered for a week. Uh, and in that time, he'd already told Toxport and Skoda that he didn't need. He, he was moving on. And, of course, Skoda and Toxport were, were delighted because they're all about, you know, bringing young talent through as they have with Lappi yeah. and, and with and Rovimpera. Um, and by the time he finally realised exactly what was going on with Heimdall, he went back to Skoda and said, uh, yeah, things have gone south with them. Toxport and Skoda's budget was committed elsewhere already, to the likes of defending champion Emil Lindholm. You know, a very worthy driver to to support, and, and, and the same with, with the other guys there. So it was a really difficult and messy, messy situation. Uh, but you're dead right, Luke you know Mickelson was the quickest driver there in WRC2 last year he feels he he drove better than ever or as as well as he's ever driven last year and he came away with nothing um and and you know as the, sadly for him the thing that people remember is that first corner in Greece you know they don't remember some of the <clears> towering <throat> victories that he that he put up on the board um it's it's just the one mistake i i still feel that Andreas mickelson can do a good job for a rally one team um can he could he lead a team can he be a world champion probably not now uh but he could certainly be a very very dependable number two um you, you don't we've said this a million times now okay now it is quite a long time ago 2016 when it when he was was driving very very well with volkswagen and that final day of the of the volkswagen polo in 16. Of uh, that generation of cars, when he beat Sebastian Ogier across the Sunday in Oz, yeah, that's how good he was. That was pretty um, good. It, yeah, and you that that ability, naturally, it fades with age a little bit, but also, you know, he's got more experience now. So, yeah, I I can see, and it is quite ballsy that he's coming out and he's he's going to do three or four WRC two rounds, and he is going to go toe to toe with the best of the best. It'll be fascinating to see him with Oliver Solberg and. Other, other guys, it, it'll be great. And, and he knows that this is probably him standing in the last chance saloon um, trying to get his career back on track. Uh, I think the difficulty for, for, for Andreas, and we talked briefly about this, was is it the right thing to do to put his money or to put whatever budget he's got from partners into three or four WRT two rounds? Or does he try and do actually what would probably be one... Rally one event, you know, could he get together enough cash to 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 use <coughs> the car that Lorenzo Bertelli used uh, uh-huh. in Sweden and use a Toyota or go to Malcolm and get an M Sport car? Yeah, but, y- you know those things are so expensive now, and they're they're increasingly what well, they are very nuanced now with the way the
2: hybrid works to drive them. You know, yeah, I'd say it's yeah, harder than ever. I thought these cars ever. were meant to be cheaper than the the last World, World WRC cars, weren't they? Mm. Yeah, they seem to have just been more expensive. Yeah. Yeah,
3: radically more expensive, um, and with with the hybrid, it is very difficult to jump in and drive them, uh, probably more difficult than ever before in the WRC, because you've got to get your head around the fact that, you know, when you go full throttle, um, you're potentially going to have 530 odd horsepower for 10 seconds, uh, and if you want that again, you've got to have a regen program that's going to bring it back, and understand where your braking is and, and, and how to deploy it and they are more.
1: It sounds to me like the, the, the championship then is, is creating a, a larger gap between the haves and the have-nots yeah. that we're going to end up with elite drivers who who have driven the cars and, mm-hmm. and can drive them and those who want to step up are just not going to get the opportunity to get there. This
3: this is why it's more important I mean, important Andreas hasn't done ever. anything wrong, has he? It, no, he hasn't and it's more important than ever that we get young drivers. You know, you've got mm. Taka at, at Toyota Brilliant, good on Toyota for doing that. We need to be bringing young drivers through so that but, there's nothing... But there's,
1: there's there's an element as well of, yes, it's okay to bring the young drivers through, but there is wastage of good drivers on the way there. And and Andreas yeah. is that kind always of... Always has been, Lisa. Uh, an indication that there's so... I know, and, and, and there always is. There always is that... Um, you you know you you look at um drivers like chris meek and and as i say and and then you Hanninen and all these all these drivers that were perhaps on the cusp that if things had gone a slightly different way if yeah you know, and and sometimes it could be just as simple as one event that went very badly for them um and had either um uh mental implications you know as in changed their mindsets or had physical implications because they wrecked the car uh, all all these things will turn a driver one way or the other and, and we don't talk about them as much because we're talking about the drivers that are at the top of the championship we end up talking about five or six drivers instead of you know the, the what could have been for some of those other drivers who are coming through so it's all very well bringing the young drivers through and we are seeing a, a fantastic crop of young drivers coming through but but there has to be something as well for those drivers that are lost in the wasteland in between yeah
3: and and sadly there isn't you know there no. are there are no private cars. There's no second-hand rally one cars that they could a, a privateer team could buy and, and run for them on the cheap <clears> or on the cheaper. Uh, they sadly
2: they yeah, you you're absolutely
3: right. But now.
1: wasn't that the point? Isn't that, isn't that what George was you were rightly saying there, George? That it was supposed to be more accessible. It
2: was. These were meant to be cheaper cars. I think all the manufacturers uh, had said this is the way we want to go. You know, Toyota adopted it quickly. Mm. I think Ford adopted it very quickly. Malcolm did. So was that a misread from these guys that it was going to be easier to make this 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 space framed car with a couple of body panels around it? A remarkable job, brilliant, well done, guys! Because it, it looks like a normal car, and I think that's fantastic. Um, that that bit's been achieved, uh, but but what's gone wrong with the cost of that car? That's I <clears> think <throat> that's a definitely a broader question mm-hmm. and one that we need to answer. Yeah, because uh, a, a WRC two car. Intellect. Somewhere, somewhere between half and maybe two seconds, maybe two and a half seconds, at the very worst, a second a kilometer, second a mile. Sorry, so less than that uh, a kilometer, um, slower, and that cars, that car well, you can buy one ready to go for two hundred fifty thousand euros. So you know, yeah, I, I mean you, you know, know I, I, get it I right.
3: personally could never really see how. I remember talking to Eve Mat on. Uh, about the 17 generation of cars. Mm. And he said, yes, these cars will be much cheaper. How? You know, how could they have ever been cheaper? Um, And now, I I really don't get it. George, you know, and this, uh, we need a deeper dive on a separate pod about this, but is it cheaper to take a standard production shell and convert it into a rally car, so therefore cut it up, stick the cage in, rebuild it, or to build ground up, um, a, a
2: bespoke space frame
3: chassis, I I don't well, know
2: On on one of my rare, slightly deeper talks that I've managed with uh, Tom Fowler it, it was him that, that said to me he said, this will be much better, we'll do, do a much nicer simpler job Um, mm-hmm. and, and it, I think it, I, uh, I can't remember the specifics of the conversation it was over a year ago now I guess it would have been uh, Safari in, in, uh, in 2021 that I would have talked to him about that so I can't quite remember the specifics, I'm getting old uh, the but it, it it the the impression I got was it was going to be cheaper and simpler and potentially more of them around, but these are not that, so that it, hasn't worked. You're
1: putting in, you're putting impossible pressure on some of these drivers as well then who are coming in and knowing that there may be just one chance to impress. Yeah. and I mean, it's almost been that their, their entire career could be hinging yeah, one on one event. Yeah, you know.
2: I mean the old the old Group A cars of which there were hundreds around. Um. Literally, literally hundreds, I mean you could get a <coughs> you could go to a WRC rally and you could have, genuinely probably could have found 25 to, to 30 w, w WRC cars or Group A cars I should say, entered on that rally uh, that that were potentially capable of winning the event Not they, they certainly weren't second string whether the drivers were willing to drive them that way um, and and you know, people like go back into the late 90s. Marcus Grönholm drove five years in the wilderness, from from doing really, really well in the championship in, in 1995. It took him another four years of just doing one or two rallies a year with a car that he could that he could rent, and go and do one or two events. And he eventually mm-hmm. came to an event where he showed incredible speed at the right time. All of a sudden, he got three phone calls. He got a phone call from. Uh, from Peugeot, Peugeot. he got a phone call from Mitsubishi, he got a phone call from Malcolm uh, to to go and drive their cars. And, of course, he had an offer from Toyota at the same time. He went to Peugeot, which was a smart thing to do.
4: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: That's where the smart money was. One more
1: thing. I want to jump in finally. with We've got one thing. Uh, I want you to take us to Italy, David. I see mythical cars on the mm. end of our schedule, and I, I'm intrigued.
3: Yeah. One of the most exciting developments uh, for, for a long time. Obviously, <clears throat> We're very close with our, with our good friend, Andrea Rodamo. You know, Andrea can be quite a divisive figure. We know that. Um, we only have to go back to what he was talking about uh, in terms of his, his strategic approach to to events. Um, but one thing that we universally love him for is just his love of our sport. Uh, and he kind of was a, a sort of an instigator in this, in this whole idea. He'd, he'd seen lots of historic events. We've seen lots of classic events, um, and they're all great, very laudable. You know, we all love to see Group B cars. But Andrea feels, you know, one aspect of the sport that is underserved now is is kind of Group A um, and early days. Well, well, all World Rally cars, but certainly, you know, the '97 cars, uh, the, the sort of early noughties cars. So the, the the plan is to to put this event on. Uh, it's, it's, it run out of the town of Varzi, uh, which is Northern Italy. Uh, some absolutely stunning roads. Uh, and it, it's for cars from around 94. You talked to Andrea and it's, it's not set in stone, um, exactly when you, <laughs> when the cars start, but he said it's from an Escort Cosworth up to, to 2021. So that would be sort of <laughs> 93, 94, uh, all the way forward. Uh, and it's great, you know. Those we miss out for me. I would have gone a little bit earlier because I'd do anything to include the legacy. Um, but just to to <laughs> mm, to, to, yeah. to know that you can have a Subaru and Pretza there, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, we're looking at forty five entries. As much as it's a rally, it's a it's a huge kind of party as well. It's to bring people with with a huge diehard interest in the sport together with with people from that region, from the Lombardy region. Um, and so that those people can show off their produce and and everything that's good and great about that part of the world. Well, um, when
1: when is it going to be happening?
2: It is
3: May the twenty. I knew you were going to Oh, weather! Fabulous weather!
1: Well, I mean,
2: imagine 25th, imagine yeah. standing in those mountains, those Italian mountains, David. You've got all those early or early to mid uh, Group A cars, early World Rally yeah. cars, with their very early. <clears throat> Sorry, anti-lag systems, <clears throat> as we called it at yeah. Toyota, fresh air, where you're just putting <laughs> air through the engine and then igniting it in the exhaust to keep the turbo turning, firing through the mountains, um, and you've got 45 of them, um, just tremendous. And
1: an amazing picnic and, with local I'm produce. Thinking, I'm yeah.
2: thinking they have to run a night stage as well, David. I want to see that at night. I want to hear yep, it at night, yeah friday friday evening oh wow uh, there, there is, you go it's a, got the lot stage there hasn't it
3: there. wow but, and and it is just as Early much summer
1: it, glorious
3: it's as much about bringing the cars right back into the center of town so they do these loops and and you know oh, you're never beautiful. far away from seeing the cars coming mm. back into town beautiful i think the longest liaison is 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 less than 10 miles to a stage it is it's amazing it's going to be a sort of dream event that
1: I think we need a, a dirt fish tent set up yeah, so we that we can actually oh, we... Uh, have our own little service area.
3: Yes, we'll no, we... ab- absolutely. It, it, it's great. And it's, it's as you'd expect from Andrea Rodamo, you know, nobody loves Group B more than him. Um, but he fully understands that that Group B is also great, particularly this this aspect, this era of Group, Group A. You know, if you were going to go and say, actually, it's only 1987, 88 cars, then you might struggle a little bit um but but yeah group a was was amazing from 90s mid 90s uh it was mega and it's what brought a huge number of people into the sport and we shouldn't forget you know group b we we talk about them being the fastest guys 10 years on by the mid 90s probably group a was quicker than group b
2: david it was even yeah. earlier than that it was phenomenally quick
3: it was yeah. it was yeah, it was, you it look was
2: look within, at, I mean, think it... even even the i think even in 88 89 You'll find that the Lancia and a probably occasionally... Yeah, it was. It was. It was that early because those cars got immensely powerful, immensely quickly. I remember the very mm. first four wheel drive, Celica, uh, turbo. So the <clears throat> the old one six five, as I call it. I think it. I think it only had about two hundred and seventy five horsepower. It had a, a little intercooler on top of the engine, and that's all it was allowed. That's what it was homologated with. Mm. <clears throat> that car ended up with five hundred horsepower. Easily, and, and the rest, possibly, yeah. possibly, you know. But it was an absolute fire-breathing animal that one six five. So I think you'll find that the cars were already making massive strides. Now suspension, at least in in, in my experience, didn't didn't really move forward that much in the in the late eighties. It was into the nineties when 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 uh, the, the really good like Olin stuff started to come through and good strides late were 90s made there. as well, George, wasn't it? Uh, mid no. mid to mid mid nineties, the, the cars were you know those those um, those Imprezas, you know, and, and the Mitsubishi. You watched that going across <laughs> a jump. It was it landed like a cat off a wall, you know, just doof down. And you watched the Toyota land with its old Bilsteins. It was bang down and a wee bounce, and it was away, It was fantastic. It was good. It was strong. It was solid. It didn't have the traction of those those early adopters of those good suspension systems. Actually, in fairness, I think that was probably ProDrive's own development on the on the suspension because I think they might have run Bill
0: Stein's as well, actually, as well as Toyota.
1: AW Luke Barry, can I just <laughs> check when you were born?
0: <laughs> I was born, Lisa, I'm the same age as the World Rally car, if that helps you. 97 yeah. then, 97, 97, is that right? Yeah, there you go. There we go. Yeah. So for me, I, I, what I'm most excited, and oh. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to be there, but what I'm most excited about is the kit cars that to me they and i won't hear an argument said against yeah, it they yeah, were the true. best rally cars ever so no I mean, just best ever david the, david, the david. two wheel drive the two wheel drive yeah, kit cars loved them okay but they they, they were yeah. a big thing for me well, Marjelze, some, that's they it was it's all that early experiences yeah. stuff they, they were the first cars i really got to properly enjoy um, and it frustrates me that I was about two or three years old and didn't realize how good it was <laughs> back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of those. isn't it? One of those. But yeah, it-
1: I think there's a market for for a children's picture book that can uh, give you a nice little rally education yeah. while you're you're being rocked in the cradle. <laughs> there you
2: go. There you go. And it should, should,
3: well, should I think, be a fun uh, event we've, we? we've ticked
1: everything off the list. We've ticked everything off the list. That does sound fantastic. we'll put that on the calendar. And and just and to say we
3: we do we will have Andrea Adamo with us explaining the Mythical Cars rally uh in, in full in much greater detail than I than I ever could. Uh and the philosophy behind it. So listen out for, for Andrea in the coming weeks on the pod.
1: Yeah, and check out Dirtfish.com for any more information. It has to be your first place to go for Rally News. We will try and keep you up to date with everything. As it happens, David constantly, surgically attached to a keyboard so that he can get this stuff uh, typed up and penned out. And, of course, we have the and award-winning Luke, Luke yeah. Barry as well, adding, yeah, adding oh. his uh, his take on stuff as well, which is absolutely superb. And, uh, yeah, it's great to work for Dirtfish and with um, such quality staff like you guys. Thank you very much for joining us for this edition of Spin the Rally Pod at Dirtfish Rally. If you want to get in touch and want to set our agenda, give us something else to talk about. But for now, Thank thanks you, for Lisa. listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you
3: very much. Okay. okay. <laughs>